So are you stressed out? What about this morning? I imagine some of you are sitting in your seats right now stressed out. I mean, you had to get up early. You had to get dressed up. You had to eat breakfast. You had to get the kids ready. And then you had to rush in your car to get here on time. <laughs> I mean, that's enough to stress you out, isn't it? Just trying to get ready for church on Sunday morning. And when you add to that our jobs, our finances, our relationships, our marriages, our kids, no wonder our society is stressed out to the max. But what I want you to know this morning is that's not the way God intended it. God doesn't want you to live a stressed out life. The truth of the matter is God wants you to live a stress-free life. You see, there are at least three major problems when it comes to stress. First of all, stress is unhelpful. It never accomplishes anything. It never solves anything. Stressing out never solved a single problem. Stress doesn't change your past. It doesn't control your future. Stress only makes you miserable today. Stress is unhelpful. Secondly, stress is unreasonable. Carrying around stress only exaggerates your problem. It makes molehills out of mountains. The more you stress out about something, the bigger that something becomes. It's unreasonable. And then finally, stress is unhealthy. Uh, doctors have shown that stress causes ulcers, it causes headaches, it causes insomnia. You see, God didn't intend for us to be stressed out. That's why I'm so excited about this series that we're starting this morning on the 23rd Psalm. Now, the 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most well-known passages in the entire Word of God. Perhaps it's the second best-known passage to John 3.16 in all the Bible. I mean, children memorize it. Pastors quote it. Those who are hurting go to it for comfort. I mean, the 23rd Psalm has comforted more heavy hearts and dried more teary eyes than any other passage of Scripture. But I believe that the 23rd Psalm was given to us to help us learn how to live stress-free lives. Now, this morning, as we begin this six-part series on how you and I can live from this point on stress-free, I want you to know that the first verse is the key to everything. As a matter of fact, if you nail down this first verse, if you understand this first verse, if you begin to apply this first verse to your life, then you'll discover that the rest of Psalm 23 is just commentary. The rest of Psalm 23 just simply goes into detail explaining how verse 1 is put into practice in our life. Now, let's look at Psalm 23. Listen to what it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, would you repeat that verse with me? This morning, let's repeat it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what does that verse mean? Well, here's what it means in a nutshell. If I have a relationship with the Lord, then everything else will take care of itself. Now, let me say that again. 
If I have a relationship with the Lord, then everything else will take care of itself. First comes the relationship with the Lord, and then becomes the reality. I can live a stress-free life. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. We're told that Psalm 23 was written by David. David was a shepherd boy who became the shepherd king of Israel. He spent much of his early life, much of his um, childhood and his teenage years tending sheep for his father, Jesse. But it's interesting that the 23rd Psalm isn't written from a shepherd's perspective. It's written from a sheep's perspective. As you read through the Bible, you will discover that over and over again, the Bible refers to us as sheep. And the Bible refers to God as our shepherd. Listen to what it says in Psalm 95, verse 7. For he, God, is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, his his grazing land. We are the flock, the sheep, under his care. God is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Listen to what it says in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, when we think about sheep, we think about cute, cuddly little animals. They're all white, and they're all clean, and and we see it as a compliment. Oh, God is calling us his little sheep. But understand, us being called sheep is anything but a compliment. Let me give you a little shop talk about sheep. Of all of God's animals, the sheep is the least likely to be able to care for itself. You see, the Bible teaches us that sheep are stubborn. They tend to get easily lost because they want to go their own way. They want to do their own thing. They don't, they don't listen to their shepherd. In Psalm 119, it says this, I have strayed like a lost sheep. David said that, that we stray, each and every one of us, just like sheep that get lost. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, a passage that that many of us have heard before, Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Notice what that says. We have turned to our own way. That's what sin is. Sin is when I go my way rather than God's way. Sin is when I choose my path rather than God's path. So sheep are stubborn. And the next sheep are dirty. Sheep don't clean themselves. They don't bathe themselves. They don't roll around in the grass to get the dirt off of them. They don't scrape themselves. They don't lick themselves. They just stay dirty and filthy animals. Dogs clean themselves. So do cats. So do birds. But not sheep. They have to be washed. And the same is true for us. We're incapable of cleaning ourselves or staying clean. Now, now we may clean up our act for a while, but we don't stay clean. We may turn over a new leaf for a while, but we don't stay turned over. We typically go back to the old paths and the old ways on our own. Why? Because we're dirty. We're dirty at the core of who we are. And the next one is probably the most unflattering. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb. 
You can train all kinds of animals. You can train cats. You can train dogs. You can train elephants. You can train birds. But you can't train a sheep. You ever seen stupid, stupid sheep tricks on TV? Me either. You ever gone to the circus and saw an act, the amazing Joseph and his jumping sheep? Me neither. Why? Because you can't train sheep. Sheep are dumb animals. And then fourth, sheep are defenseless. Dogs bite. Cats scratch. Skunks. Well, you know what skunks do. But not sheep. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They have no stink bombs. They're not equipped to fight. They're not equipped to flight. That's why they need a shepherd. That's why you never see sheep as mascots. We have rams. We have bulls. We have seahawks. We have the gamecocks. We have the tigers. Can you imagine the University of Minnesota, the fighting sheep? <laughs> bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I mean, you never hear about sheep like that. Why? Because sheep are defenseless animals. And then finally, sheep have to be soft. They can't find their way back home. That goes with them being dumb. I mean, they get lost. They're lost. That's why Jesus told the parable about the one sheep that got lost and he left the 99 to went to go and find the one. Do you remember that movie, Homeward Bound? Remember that movie? I mean, the, the animals, you know, they got lost and they, they made that journey back home. Or a more recent one would be Bolt, you know, the hero dog, Go Bolt. And he got lost and, and he went on that journey to find his, his girl, his master. You remember that movie? Am I? Rent it. It's a good movie. Spoiler alert. Bolt finds his way home. Why? Because dogs can do that. Cats can do that. Back when we lived in Florida, we sold a house and we were moving into a rental house. And we were moving our stuff ourselves. And, and we were making the, the, the last part of the move. And, and we were taking our animals. We had a cat. And, um, and something fell off the truck. I don't know what it is, but something fell off the truck. And so we had to stop. And I opened up the car door and the cat bolted. I mean, cats don't like to be in cars. If you don't know that, learn it. They just, they don't enjoy it. They don't put their head out the window. Go, <laughs> they don't do that. Cats don't enjoy that. And so when we opened the door, the cat bolted. And he ran into this briar patch. And here's Jonathan and I stepping out of the car, trying to run into that briar patch to catch the cat. And we can't get the cat. We get all scratched up by the briars, but we can't get the cat. And so we leave the stinking cat. Good for you, cat. <laughs> Weeks later, I kid you not, this cat had never been to the house we're moving to. Weeks later, that cat shows up at our house. What's for dinner? I don't know if he went to the police department and got our new address. I don't know. I just know that he showed up. I mean, you can take a dog. You can take a cat. You can drop them off in the middle of a field. You can go to the mall and go out to eat. When you get home, that dog's going to be on the front porch wagging his tail. Where y'all been? That's a dog. That's a cat. Not a sheep. They get lost. They are lost. You see, apart from a shepherd, 
A sheep would stay lost, but God doesn't want that. God wants a relationship with us, and so he seeks after us. That's what God does. So, so here's the sheep. They're dumb. They're stupid. They're dirty. They're defenseless. They're stubborn. They have to be sought after. And, and God said, you're just a bunch of sheep. <laughs> and you thought he was saying you're all white and cute and cuddly. No, he was saying you're stubborn and dumb and defenseless and you got to be sought after. That's who we are. But then we read Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 teaches us this incredible truth in the verse, verse. An incredible truth about a relationship that we can have with God and then the reality that flows out of that relationship that we have for Him. First of all, let's look at the relationship. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, as we read that phrase... Three important questions come to mind when we think about a relationship with God. The first question is this, who is the shepherd? And notice how David starts off. He starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, the Hebrew word translated Lord there is the word Yahweh. In some translations, it translates it Jehovah. Now, why did David use that word? Of all the words that David could use to describe God, why did he use the word Yahweh? Why did he use that word? There's one simple reason. Yahweh is God's name. You see, you can call me preacher, you can call me pastor, you can call me husband. A few people can call me dad. But when you call me that, you're simply describing what I do. You're not describing who I am. If you want to call me by my name, you would call me Rocky. And you see, if you want to call God by his name, you call him Yahweh. Now, that word Yahweh means the existent one. Now, that word is found in the book of Genesis. But the first time God reveals himself by the word Yahweh is in Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember that passage? God was calling Moses to go back to Egypt to set the Israelites free who were enslaved there. And Moses began to make excuse after excuse after excuse why he couldn't do what God told him to do. It's the same thing we do, isn't it? God says, I want you to tithe. I, don't, I can't. I, we're not financially able. I want, you to, I want you to get involved in your life group doing something I can't. I'm not outgoing. And we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And and, and Moses made these excuses. And one of the excuses Moses gave was this. He said, now, now listen, God, if I go, they're going to ask me, what is the name of the God who has sent you to us? What's his name? What am I supposed to tell them? I don't know your name. And God said, tell them I am has sent you. In the next verse, he gives him the word Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who always is, the one who always will be, the one who forevermore will exist. He is self-existent. That's who I am. I am the God who has always been, I always am, and I always will be. Tell them I am sent you. Now, in Exodus chapter 6, this is what 
God said to Moses. Verses 2 and 3, the New Jerusalem Bible translates it this way. It says, I am Yahweh. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I appeared as El Shaddai. But I did not make my name Yahweh known to them. Did you get that? I am Yahweh. To Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs of the faith. I didn't tell them my name. I let them know that I was the El Shaddai, the all-powerful God. But I'm giving you my name. I am Yahweh. The Israelites considered God's name so holy that they wouldn't even say it. When they came across it in Scripture, that word, the Hebrew word Yahweh, they would put Adonai in. They wouldn't say Yahweh. They would say Adonai. God's name was too holy for them to even speak. When the scribes had to write down the name of God, they would take a bath before they wrote down the name of God. And then they would destroy the pen they wrote the name of God with after they wrote his name. That's how much they respected the name of God. And what David is saying is it is Yahweh who is our shepherd. Now, in our day and age of pluralism, it's important for us to understand. The Bible doesn't say Allah is our shepherd. The Bible doesn't say Buddha is our shepherd. The Bible doesn't say one of a hundred other pseudo-gods are our shepherd. The Bible says Yahweh is our shepherd. Now, as we move to the New Testament, we discover Jesus doing something (laughs) that was crazy. Jesus took the name of God, I am, and used it to describe himself. He did that in John 8, and we're told that the religious leaders picked up stones to kill him because he was committing blasphemy. He was claiming to be God. Throughout the New Testament, we discover Jesus taking the name of God, I am, and then combining it with a phrase to describe himself. He said, I am the door. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. He said in in John 10, I am the good shepherd. In John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Understand, there are many people today who, who tell us it doesn't really matter what God you believe in as long as you believe in God. And that's a bunch of bull. I mean, if it doesn't matter whether you go to heaven or hell, then it doesn't matter what God. If it doesn't matter whether you live a life filled with stress and sorrow or you live a stress-free life, it doesn't matter who is God. You see, AA tells us today that you need to believe in a higher power. (laughs) Higher power? I mean, that's electricity coming out of a 220. That's a higher power. God is the power. And if we want salvation, if we want heaven, if we want to have a stress-free life, we've got to come to the point in our life where we know that He, Yahweh, who revealed Himself in the flesh as Jesus Christ, is God and there is no other. So who is the shepherd? It's Yahweh who became flesh and blood and revealed himself as Jesus Christ. That's who the shepherd is. Second question is, do you know him personally? David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He's one of many paths. 
He didn't say the Lord is the shepherd, meaning I I know about him, I know the truth, the facts about him. He didn't even say the Lord is our shepherd corporately. No, no, David said the Lord is my shepherd. I've got a personal, intimate relationship with him. You know, wouldn't it be crazy if, if on my desk I said, you know, i got a picture of a wife. And you say, what wife? Well, a wife. Really doesn't matter. No, i got a picture on my desk of my smoking hot, holy, made just for me wife. I don't have a picture of a wife. I have a picture of my wife. In our kitchen, on the other hand, we have a picture of grandkids. We got this frame when we got grandkids. We just don't have a picture yet of our grandkids together. So people come into our house and say, oh, are those your grandkids? No, that's just the picture that came with the frame. <laughs> now, now, can I say to you, that doesn't impress anybody. Oh, okay. Well, it's nice looking kids. I guess they got paid for posing. (laughs) You you know, you don't want pictures of somebody's wife. You don't want pictures of somebody's kids. You don't want a picture of somebody's grandkids. You want a picture of the people you have a relationship with. And you see, if the shepherd is going to do any good in your life, you've got to have a personal relationship with him. Jesus said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And listen, he said, and my sheep know me. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Now, unfortunately, there are many today who know about the good shepherd. But they don't know the good shepherd. They know about him, but they don't know him. I mean, they can tell you the facts they learned in Sunday school or life group. Vacation Bible school. They know the facts. They're good listeners. But they don't know it. Do you know why? See, where does relationship originate? Does it originate in the mind? No, no. Let me tell you, when I was when I was looking at my wife, thinking about, I'd like to date her. I, I gotta be honest with you. I gotta be honest. My first question wasn't, my first question wasn't, now, I'm going to be a pastor. Is she going to be a good pastor's wife? That wasn't my first question. I I needed to ask that question, but that wasn't my first question. Uh, My first question wasn't, I wonder if she has perfect attendance pins from Sunday school. (laughs) That's important. That wasn't my first question. My first question didn't have to do with the mind my first question had to do with the heart. I mean, I saw her and my heart started going boom, 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 boom. And I turned and it slowed down. And I turned back and looked and went boom, 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 boom. And I turned and it slowed down and I turned and it went boom, 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 boom. And I went, oh, my heart's telling me something. Now, and I'm exaggerating. I'm joking. But, but you see, it's not... An intellectual knowledge that builds the relationship. It's a heart knowledge that builds the relationship. And too often today, our churches, and maybe even our church, is filled with people 
who know the answers to the questions. Do you know how to go to heaven? Yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Have you asked him to save you? Yeah, I prayed that prayer. And we know the answers to the questions. But if we're honest, if we're really honest, when when we're not under the peer pressure of what other people think, we would have to answer, you know, I know the answer to the questions. But I don't know him. I don't know him. You see, there's a big difference between intellectual knowledge and heart knowledge. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, he said, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So do you know him personally? And then the final question is, have you surrendered your life to his control? You see, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, remember, sheep are totally dependent on their shepherd, and and the same is true with us. And, And understand, the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Now, now let me say that again, because some of you, that totally went over your head. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. You have to relinquish control of your life to him. You have to make him the boss of your life. You have to surrender to him. You have to quit playing God and let him be God of your life. Jesus gave us a picture of what this looks like. In John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. And then listen to what he says. They listen to my voice and they follow me. My sheep know me. And then how do we know they know me? They listen to my voice and they follow me. Now that means they obey me. And so the question is, who is in control of your life? God gives you an option. God doesn't force himself upon you. We call that free will. God says, you don't have to let me control your life. You can wander off and do your own thing if you want to. I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm not going to force you to serve me. You have the freedom to reject me if you want. But understand, if you want a stress-free life, There has to be a point in your life where you surrender control to him. I've seen, and you've seen them before, those bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. That's so stupid. God doesn't want you in the cockpit. You'll be messing things up. Get out of the cockpit. I mean, because here's what you're going to do. If you're in the cockpit as a co-pilot, if something goes wrong, you're going to go, that was God. It wasn't me. That was God. God says, get in the plane, sit in a chair, get out of my cockpit, let me fly the plane. That's what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to pilot your life. And so, who is your shepherd? Do you know him personally? Have you surrendered your life to his control? That's relationship. And that's what this psalm is all about. Now, religion will not get you that. Hear me. Look at me. Religion will stress you out. And that's why some of you are stressed out today. 
You are trying to follow a set of rules and guidelines and principles and follow this perfect practice and you mess up and you blow it and you're constantly wondering, am I in God's good graces? That's religion. If I perform well enough, then I will be accepted by God. And that's why some of you are stressed out today when it comes to your relationship with God. Man, if, am I doing good enough? Am I measuring up to God's standard? That's religion. Relationship is all about unconditional love. God loves you as you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay like you are. And so it begins a process of changing your life. So what about it? Are you stressed out in your pursuit for God? Well, the reason is because of religion. You don't need religion. You need relationships. So relationship. The Lord, Yahweh, the one who revealed himself in the flesh is Jesus Christ, is my shepherd. He's in control of my life. Do you have that relationship? Next comes the reality. David said, I shall not want. Once I have the relationship, the reality follows. I love how the... Jerusalem Bible translates that last part of the verse. It says, I lack nothing. The Living Bible says, I have everything I need. The message says, I don't need a thing. But the one I like best is a little third grade Sunday school girl who quoted or misquoted the verse. She said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. Can I say that's the best translation of all? The Lord is my shepherd He's all I want. There's no complaining. There's no grumbling. There's no moaning and groaning. Why? I have everything I want because I have the Lord as my shepherd. You see, my satisfaction in life is dependent upon who my shepherd is. And when you know the shepherd, you're going to have everything you need because he's a good shepherd. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 11. He, that's God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. Wow, that's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of the Lord picking up that sheep that is wounded, that's weary, that's lost. Putting that shepherd close to his heart so that the sheep will feel the shepherd's heartbeat. Feel the shepherd's warmth. And know that the shepherd is in control. That's what the shepherd does for us. Now, in the New Testament, it, it gives us a little more detail to what the shepherd does. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God says, I will meet all your needs. What needs? All your needs. What does that entail? All your needs. God says, I'm going to meet all your needs. That means, hear me. Either God's going to meet your needs or God is a liar. Either God's going to meet my needs or God is a liar. When I am totally trusting my shepherd to take care of me and do what is best for me, then the Lord who is my shepherd will satisfy me. I will be content with my life. And here's the amazing thing. I'm no longer living my life looking for that special something or that special someone to make me happy, to take away my stress. It's no longer about a new job. It's no longer about a new promotion. It's no 
longer about more money. It's no longer about another relationship. It's no longer about my kids not acting up. It's no longer about anything. It's all about him. And when he's my shepherd, I have everything I want. And all of a sudden, the peace that passes all understanding begins to guard my heart and my mind. Hear me. When you have the Lord as your shepherd and you've surrendered to him, you learn to live life the way it talks about in Hebrews, to be content in all things. Like Paul said in, in, in Philippians, I've learned to be content in all things. And then Paul tells us all the things that he went through. And yet he said, in all of this, I'm content. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Max Lucado tells a story about a short-term missionary who was leading worship in a leper colony of all places. And on the final day, he asked the people that were there, the lepers that he was ministering to, did anyone have any songs they wanted to sing? And this woman turned around and, and he said when he saw her, he saw the most disfigured face he had ever seen in his life. He said she didn't have a nose. She didn't have ears. She didn't have lips. The leprosy had, had eaten those parts of her face off. When she lifted up her hand so that she could tell the song that she wanted sung, she didn't have any fingers. All she had was nubs. And here she was, this woman who had no nose, no ears, no lips, no fingers, who lifted up her hand and said, Can we sing Count Your Many Blessings? The worship leader later on was telling somebody that he had started singing the song, but he couldn't stop it. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't finish it. And the person he was with said, I, I bet you've never been able to sing that song again. And the worship leader said, oh, I've been able to sing it again, but I've never been able to sing it the same again. Here was this woman who we would say had no blessings no nose to smell with, no ears, no lips to kiss somebody you love with, no fingers to, to hold hands with someone with. And, and yet, what does she want to song? Count your many blessings. Why? Because when the Lord is your shepherd, he's all you want. And regardless of what is going on in your life or in the life of the people around you, when the Lord is your shepherd, you have all you want. Max Lucado went on in that book that that came out of, and he went on to say this. He said, you have a God who hears you, the power of his love behind you, the Holy Spirit within you, all of heaven ahead of you. If you have the shepherd, you have grace for every sin, direction for every turn, a candle for every corner, an anchor for every storm. You have everything you need if the Lord is your shepherd. In the 1960s, there was a group called the Rolling Stones. Most of y'all, I'm sure, have heard of them. And they were, I mean, Rolling Stone and the Beatles were two, I mean, two of the top rock groups in all history. And they had a song that they sang at that time called Satisfaction. Remember the song? 
And in the song, they had a phrase that they repeated over and over. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. And I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. But I can't get no satisfaction. Here were a group of young men who had everything that the world could possibly offer. And here they were saying, I've had it all. And I can't get any satisfaction. Now compare that to a song that was written in 1926. The song goes like this. I'm not going to sing it for you. But it goes like this. I'm satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. He has suffered to redeem me. He has died to set me free. I am satisfied. I am satisfied. I am satisfied with Jesus. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is my master satisfied with me? Hear me. If today you want to begin to live a life that really is stress-free, regardless of what is happening in the world, regardless of what is happening in your life, if you want to live a life that is stress-free, and it is a possibility, it starts with a relationship with the shepherd. And once you have that relationship with him and he becomes all you want, then the stress will begin to melt away in your life. I want you to bow your head with me. Close your eyes. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I, I want to ask you a question. And, and in this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to be honest with me. There's, there's no reason to play games. This is way too important for that. Do you have a relationship with the shepherd? That's what I want to ask you. Do you have a relationship with him? Have you surrendered your life to him? Do you know him personally? I didn't ask, do you know about him? Can you quote the facts? I didn't even say, have you prayed a prayer? I'm asking, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? If you're here and you don't, I can tell you right now, and you're never going to be stress-free. You're never going to be. Because the key to stress-free living is a relationship with the shepherd who alone can give it. And so if you're here and you've never surrendered, you've never really surrendered in brokenness your life to the shepherd saying, I am tired of straying. I am tired of wandering. I'm tired of going my own way. I'm surrendering to you. I want you to be my shepherd. If you've never done that, then I want to invite you this morning to do that. Give him control of your life. Now, remember, it's not praying a prayer. That won't do it. But, but it is opening up your heart and your life to Him. And you can do that verbally. And so if you're here and you need Him to become your shepherd this morning, I encourage you to pray this prayer with an open heart to Him right now. Dear God, I come to you this morning. Needing you to be my shepherd. I'm tired of going my way. I'm tired of going down my own paths. I'm 
tired of my life the way it is. I need you to be my shepherd. Right here. Right now. On April the 27th. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm giving my all to you. I want you nothing more. I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose from the grave to pay for all of my sins. I'm receiving your forgiveness. I'm trusting you to save me. I'm giving you my life. Thank you for hearing me. And thank you for accepting me into, into your sheepfold. Amen.